Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Now, if you're wondering what's up with the t-shirts today, last Sunday and today we've been celebrating superheroes. We've been celebrating our dream team superheroes. And so uh, we want to continue that today. Last week, I talked about what superheroes were, who some of our favorite superheroes are, and who our everyday heroes are, and what do they look like. Matter of fact, before we get started, we've got a couple everyday heroes in here right now. I'm just going to go, I was going to say I don't want to embarrass you, but I am going to embarrass you. Stand, come here, Clinton, run up here real fast. Alexis, run up here real fast. Andrew, are you still in the building? No, he's not in the building right now. Come up here real quick. I just want you to see, now this is just a random sampling of some of the superheroes that we have that are members of Life Church. Amen. Clinton's a member of the fire department. Alexis is a member of the sheriff's department. We have Henrico uh, County deputies. We have uh, Chesterfield County deputies. We have Hanover deputies. We've got a lot of great people. we got members of the military here. Why don't you give it up for some real-life superheroes? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And neither one of them like wearing their, their uniforms to church, so I appreciate them doing that for us. So, but who are the real-life heroes? Psalm chapter 16 and verse 3 says this, The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. So today is just part two of last week's sermon on everyday heroes. Everyday heroes. Now, we see them all around us, people who each and every day, by virtue of what they do, people like Clinton, people like Alexis, who every day what they do makes them a hero. People like police officers and firemen, the military, hospital chaplains, the Peace Corps, missionaries, Red Cross workers, EMTs, first responders. Matter of fact, after service, they're going to be gathered in the photo booth. Bring your kids by and let them take pictures, not only with Spider-Man, but with a police officer. Amen? And a fireman. Amen? And let them understand and realize who some of the real heroes are today. Amen? So we've got the heroic people uh, and the stuff they do. And by the way, I just want to tell you, let's not ever take for granted what they do every day for the sake of our community. Amen? Uh, and for our families. We shouldn't take that for granted. Thank God for those everyday heroes that put their lives on the line. But today I want to talk about other everyday heroes. Not just ones whose professions require heroic acts or sacrifice at times, but people who choose to serve others without it being their vocation. People like hospice volunteers, addiction counselors, Sunday school teachers, big brothers or sisters, foster parents, people who volunteer at the soup kitchens or the homeless shelters. Also, people that serve their churches or volunteer organizations with enthusiasm and faithfulness and love. People like our band members and our greeters and people in the sound booth, people that 
work around the church. Even people like some of our nursery workers. People like Robbie Sue right here at Life Church. Let me bring your attention to the videotape. I started Life Church last Passover, and I absolutely love it. It was a church I was looking for, and to me it was an answer to prayer, just to be able to meet with everybody and be received by everybody, and I just love this church. I really like working in the nursery. To me, it's a ministry. It's not just a ministry for the children, but I think it's important for mothers and fathers to be able to sit under the anointing. And I want the children, when they walk into the nursery, to feel not only our love, but the love of God and the love of the Holy Spirit. And I want the parents to feel like they're safe and leaving their children with us. So we really want the presence of God in the nursery when we walk there. I think it's so special once you start coming here to make yourself available and get involved in small groups and get involved in ministry because once you're involved in ministry, God just meets you. And I think once we start doing what God really calls us to do, he blesses every aspect of our life. Believe me, it will bless you more than you think it will if you just get involved. Amen. Why don't we give a big shout out to Robbie Sue right now. Amen. Matter of fact, she was in our first service today to hear the word, and I think she's serving in the nursery right now at 11 o'clock. Isn't that amazing? Amen. I mentioned last week that most people who are called heroes today in our society they're not really heroes, they're just celebrities or athletes or entertainers that make a big splash or make a lot of noise. But see, heroes make a big difference, don't they? And by way of a, just a quick recap, in case you weren't here or you didn't get to hear the message last week, we discovered a few things about everyday heroes. First of all, we said that heroes stand for what's right, even if they have to stand alone. They're willing to pursue truth and live by it, even when it costs them. They know that they can't always go with the flow and still please the Lord. And to these heroes, truth matters. Integrity matters. Character matters. We also mentioned that everyday heroes make sacrifices for others. They give of their time, their resources, their energy, their passion. They understand that the words of Jesus are true when he said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. We mentioned that everyday heroes fight for justice. They recognize that with blessing comes responsibility and that we must be advocates for those who are marginalized and can't speak for themselves. Can everybody say amen? amen. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 said, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Defend the rights of all those who have nothing. Speak up and judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Amen. That's what we ought to be doing as the people of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. See, we have to speak for the abused, for the unborn, the minority, the oppressed, the persecuted. Everyday heroes take seriously the words of Jesus when he said, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I also told you that everyday heroes take risk for God. They risk the fear of failure, being misunderstood, or even being taken advantage of because they recognize that the mission of the kingdom needs heroes. 
So today you might be listening to all this and you say, well, I hear it, but pastor, I've got to ask you, am I really cut out to be an everyday hero, to serve on a dream team, a ministry team, or volunteer in my community to make a difference? I want to tell you, yes, you are, because we are all gifted to serve. See, when you know what God created uh, you to do, when you know what God created you to be, you can start focusing on that and make better use of your life. And the moment that you stepped across the line spiritually and began following Jesus, he empowered you to do everyday hero kinds of things with your life. Amen. Amen. When you said, I'm going to go God's way, not my own way. When you said, I'm going to let him direct my life. When you said, I'm going to follow his purpose and not my purpose. When you did that, hear me, not only did God forgive you, but he set you on a path of fulfillment that comes by serving him and others around you. And in order to do that, he gifted you with physical gifts, but he also has given you spiritual gifts as well. See, they're the abilities that you need to get the job done that God wants you to do. See, most people who are believers, they don't even know they've got spiritual gifts, much less knowing what they are. But you have them. Let me bring your attention to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4. It says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but they're all from the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but the same Lord to serve. And there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do. Now, I don't want to miss you to miss that. There's some powerful stuff in those verses. Did you notice verse 5 and 6? It said there are different ways to serve. Verse 6 said there's different ways that God works through people. And then verse 6 also said no matter what those ways are, God works in all of us. Amen. See, God has a purpose for your life. And your gifts are the equipment and the tools that he gives you to do what he asks you to do. God will never ask you to do something, hear me, that he hasn't given you the ability for or the ability to learn to do. See, you don't earn your gift by being good. And it's not solely for your benefit. Your gifts are given to you to help other people. Amen. And other people in the church family are given their gifts to serve you as well. See, when you use your gifts, the people in the church get blessed, and it ultimately bleeds over into the community for our community to be blessed. Because serving others is foundational to a life of discipleship. Amen. See, the problem, though, begins when we view serving others as a should in our lives instead of a gift or a blessing in our lives. And as a result, our serving can ultimately begin to lack joy. So how do we serve without losing our joy or our passion? Rather than you know, seeing service as an ought to, what if we viewed it as an invitation from Jesus to do something significant with our lives? With his fulfillment, with his invitation to serve comes a promise. It's a promise of joy. But so often we serve and we give and we do our, pat, our, our, our part, but, but life or sometimes our own flesh starts to steal the joy and the fulfillment 
out of doing what we're doing. You and I both know people that used to teach children, but they stopped because they lost the joy of serving. Or maybe a lot of people that used to enjoy guest services, but they stopped because you can't enjoy serving others when you've lost the joy of serving. Or, or maybe people that used to do maintenance around the church or, or feed the homeless or, or just fill in the blank. I could go on and on down the list. The truth is there would be no shortage of workers in God's fields, shortage of laborers in God's fields, if the workforce could just figure out how to stay joyful and refreshed while we serve other people, right? Amen? But it's not God's will. Don't miss this. It is not God's will for anyone to be burned out or bored out serving Him and working in His kingdom. If you are burned out from working for Jesus, you're doing it wrong. That needs to sink in for a minute. So what do we do? How do we become superheroes for the kingdom without ministry becoming kryptonite to our spirits? I want to talk about that today. Because hear me, today is not just about recruiting new volunteers, although I want to be very clear. If you're not serving, we have tables set up in the back. We want you to stop by and visit a table. And if I'm going to be your pastor, I'm going to bug you till Jesus comes about serving on a ministry team. So just you better get used to it. Amen. I'm going to keep bugging you about it. But today, I also want to talk about the people who are already serving. And I want to encourage you how to do it with joy and fulfillment all the days of your life. Amen? So I want to share with you just a few ways to not only serve, but serve with joy. Are you ready? I want to help somebody here today. The first thing you got to be able to do in order to serve with joy your entire life is you got to change your perspective on serving. Change your perspective on serving. We've got to adopt Jesus' perspective on serving rather than just our own. <clears throat> you see, our culture views climbing the ladder of life as successful. Jesus had a whole different perspective. You want to know what the Jesus perspective is? Look at Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you must be a servant. Jesus flipped the whole thing around. What was his perspective? That serving others is the greatest thing you are ever going to do. Amen. He placed such a high value on his followers serving others that he said the greatest followers are the ones who serve. And by the way, Jesus didn't just preach it. He practiced what he preached. During the Last Supper, Jesus got up from the table. He wrapped himself with a towel. He washed the disciples' feet. And then in verse 15 of John 13, he said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Another time in Mark 10, Jesus told his disciples that even he, the very Son of God, he did not come to be served, but what? To serve others. The Apostle Paul echoed the words of Jesus' teaching, and he said it another way in the book of Galatians, chapter 5 and verse 13. He said, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, your flesh. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. How many of you remember the old song? He set me free, yes, he set me free. 
He broke the bonds of prison for me. Well, I'm glory bound by Jesus to see. Glory to God. He set me free. Set me free to do what? Paul said he set you free to serve. Amen? To use your freedom to serve others. Folks, that's a game changer. The Jesus perspective changes everything. As you love others, you got to learn to serve them. And that's the amazing truth is that you and I are the most blessed and filled with joy when we are serving other people. Because hear me, folks, there is a blessing that comes from serving. It's not why we do it, but the Bible does teach the law of divine reciprocation. Amen. You plant seeds of loving service and generosity, you're going to reap a harvest of generosity. Amen. You're going to reap a harvest of joy. The wise writer of Proverbs said it this way in Proverbs 11 and 12. The generous will, will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Generosity produces prosperity. Amen. Refreshing others means you and I get refreshed. See, because when you invest your life in others, serving and loving them like Jesus, you yourself will be loved and refreshed and end up feeling more connected. So in the process of serving others, how do you increase your joy? How do you keep from burning out? Amen? First, we change our perspective on serving, and we remember it's the Jesus way to live. And here's the next way to keep your joy. you got to stay connected. Everybody say it with me. Stay connected. As human beings created in the image of God, we were designed to connect with others. God made us to enjoy community and connectedness with others. And one of the greatest ways to increase your joy is to increase your connections. Because when we are linked to others, we know their needs and their desires. When we serve alongside others, it bonds us together. Whenever we serve with others, we remind ourselves that we are part of a larger community. And this does what? It increases our joy. But so often people stop serving. Sometimes they even stop coming to church because they eventually feel disconnected. Can I tell you as a pastor for all these years, I see it happen all the time. People come to Christ, they experience the new birth, or maybe they're a longtime follower of Jesus, and then they find a church that they love, but after a few months or maybe six months or a year, you don't see them anymore. What happened? Did they stop loving Jesus? Probably not. Did somebody do something to offend them? Maybe, but probably not in that short amount of time to cause them to leave. Did, did something merit them leaving the church? Probably not, but it was easy to leave because what? They didn't feel connected. Amen. There's a lot of reasons why people quit along the way, but usually always near the top, they failed to get connected in a meaningful way to a group of people at their church. Amen. How do we connect at Life Church? Through care teams, through small groups, through ministry teams. Through our care teams, through our small groups, our life groups, and our ministry teams, which are our dream teams. Sometimes people will set week after week and never get to know anyone. And 
Or maybe they never make the, the next steps to enter into a meaningful relationship. Or, or they were never maybe encouraged by others to do so. But hear me, folks. New life and enthusiasm dies unless life is lived out together through connection with other people. Okay, and can I say something to everybody that's new in this church? We got a lot of new faces, and I love you to death. Some of you have been here in the last six months, year, whatever. But can I just be honest with you? If you're not connected yet, or if you don't get connected, eventually you ain't going to love this church as much as you love it. <laughs> Amen. We're going to do something that you don't like. We're going to sing a song that you don't like. We're going to preach a sermon that you don't like. And guess what? When the news starts wearing off, when the honeymoon wears off, come on, I'm, I'm just being real. All of a sudden it's going to be, yeah, I like that church. It used to be, I like my church. Amen. I like those people. It used to be, I love my people. Amen. See, we got to understand, you got to get connected. The only way to keep your joy in serving others is to be connected. Paul said this in Ephesians 4, that we would no longer be infants tossed back and forth. See, a lot of people come to God and they have the best intentions to serve Him, but if they never get past the infant stage, they're in danger of being tossed back and forth. And in order to grow strong as a believer, and also in order to not burn out and not let ministry become your kryptonite, you've got to stay connected to other people. Because sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it gets lonely. And time and time again, it proves to be true, hear me, that Christians that are in groups or those who serve on ministry teams, they are, he more, they are healthier spiritually than those people that are not connected. It is just the truth. Amen. Those who are in a group give more generously. They serve more sacrificially. They share the gospel more regularly than those not connected. It matters. Connection matters. Here's what I all already know about all of us. You will not make all the changes you need to make, want to make, plan to make, or desire to make all by yourself. Or you would have already done it. I'm talking about me too, amen. You can't do it by yourself. You need to be connected to others. So, how do I keep serving with joy for a lifetime? Number one, change your perspective. Number two, stay connected. Number three, be generous. Everybody say generosity. Now, this might seem odd to you, but one of the greatest ways to increase your joy through serving others is to practice generosity. During the past year, many people, not just folks here in the United States, but, uh, but globally, they experienced anxiety and depression and loneliness at unprecedented levels. And, and we've seen it. We've seen it all around us. And it's really sad. It's what started off as self-preservation has become toxic isolation. Amen. But how many of you will admit that the happiest and the healthiest people the last 16 months are those that were giving or serving others during this pandemic? Amen. I'm talking about healthcare workers. I'm talking about EMTs. I'm talking about frontline people, people that were serving others. And if you've lost the joy of serving, you need to do something spontaneous and generous. Be generous. Pay for the order of the person behind you when you go through a drive-thru. Just try it one time. I always like to do it. I don't do it very often, but I have done it on occasion. I like to do it when I have a church card, and I'll leave one of my church cards, and I'll say, you tell them that somebody from this church just bought their coffee today. Maybe somebody's in here. Is, did anybody get one of those cards? No, I'm kidding. 
But you're just sowing a seed, amen? You just never know, a seed of random generosity. Or maybe you know somebody personally that's struggling financially or even just emotionally. Drop off a gift card or bring them a meal. Generosity, hear me folks, it is a magic cure in serving if your joy tank is empty. It really is. It is such a joy when you realize that you're able to help meet the needs of others out of the overflow of what God has provided for you. Or even if you've just given out of your own needs, those moments of generosity. Giving sacrificially, even to offerings like Sacrifice Sunday, the campaign that we're in right now. Give spontaneously and generously to somebody in need. Buy some extra stuff at the grocery store. Leave it on somebody's door. Giving does something to your joy. My Monday night uh, men's small group, we came together called Gridiron Guys. We'll be kicking it off again uh, in, the, in the fall. We came together last month, and we helped one of the single ladies in our church move recently. And that evening after work, we loaded up boxes and, uh, and furniture into a moving truck, and we followed her to her new house, and we unloaded the stuff, and we moved a few things around, and, and we had some pizza. And several of the guys that night said it was definitely the most fun they've ever had while moving somebody. But a few of them actually said that they thought it was the best meeting we had the entire small group semester. (laughs) You want to know why? We laughed harder than we worked that night. You want to know why some of them thought it was the best meeting we had? Giving brings joy. Giving brings joy. Doing something and not expecting anything in return. It just, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a scientist, but it releases all these endorphins in your body. Somebody that knows, yeah, affirm what I'm saying. Yeah, it's true. It does something for you. I challenge you, do something spontaneous, amen? Generosity means sometimes giving your muscles and not your money. Amen? Cut somebody's grass. Fix somebody's house. Paint a room for somebody. Do something for somebody. Be generous and watch you bring the joy back. I challenge you, do something spontaneous. Follow me today to the drive-thru. I will pull in behind you, and you can buy my coffee, and I'll act surprised. (laughs) Amen. But what's another way? To serve with joy for a lifetime. I mean, I only got two more, but now I'm going to dial down. I'm going to dial in a little bit closer to home first. Are you ready? You've got to accept who you are. If you want to serve with joy the rest of your life, you've got to accept who you are. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us. To live our lives doing. There's so much to unpack. Notice it didn't say God just made us who we are. He said he made us who we are and he planned it for us to live our lives doing who he made us to be. See, God made you who you are. If you want to serve with joy and not frustration, you've got to serve out of the uniqueness of your personality and who you are. I want to help somebody here today. You have gifts and strengths that God intends for you to use when serving others. Don't try to be someone else. Amen? Serve out of your strengths and passions. If you love babies and toddlers, you ought to join Robbie Sue in the nursery. If you hate kids, please stay away from our nursery. We love you, but we don't want you back there. 
Amen. Amen. We don't just need warm bodies. We need warm bodies that love babies. Amen. Except who you are. If you love working outdoors, maybe you can mow somebody's yard or help them around the house. Maybe you can volunteer here at the church. If you're skilled at plumbing or electricity or carpentry or painting, we got tons of things that we all the time need to do around the church. I don't think it's the will of God for the church to always have to hire subcontractors. Amen? We ought to use our gifts for the glory of God. Amen? I gave a shout-out to Justin Johnson in the first service. He's not here right now. He was here at 9. He's doing HVAC work right now at the church after he gets off work and before he goes home to eat dinner, volunteering his time. I'm talking about know who you are and use your gifts for the glory of God. See, if you think that God has gifted you to teach or to share the Word of the Lord, don't wait for me to put you on a speaking schedule because it probably ain't going to happen. Amen? I'm just keeping it real. Amen? You know what you can do? Start a home Bible study. Start a Bible study life group. Amen? Go to the nursing home. Go to an assisted living place. Share the word of the Lord. Go to a juvenile center. Amen? And teach, teach some kid about Jesus. There are ways to use your gifts. Volunteer to teach our children or to speak to our youth. If God blessed you with musical talent, you can help in the band, or you can help in kids' life, you can help with our youth music team, or here's something, you can, you can teach a kid lessons. Accept who you are because God made you that way. If you feel like you, you're, you're gifted in media and technology, man, use that gift for the glory of God. Accept who you are. Use it for the glory of God. That's how you keep from getting burned out. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to do something you're not gifted to do. If you're gifted in hospitality or you know how to cook, you can help when there's special needs at the church like funerals or people who are sick or moms with newborns. If you've got a special place in your heart for the sick, you can make hospital visits or make phone calls or write cards. You can take, you can make, there's so many ways. Just know who you are. Because Pastor Pavey said it well when he was taking up the offering, no act of service is better than another. Amen. The key to finding joy in serving others is to serve out of your own unique gift mix. Accept who you are and serve from there. Don't try to be Rodney. Don't try to be me. I'm not going to try to be you. That just creates frustration. Let's be who God called us to be. Then the last point I want to make to encourage you to be able to serve for a lifetime. Here you are, number five. You got to know your limits. Everybody say, know my limits. See, the quickest way to lose the joy of serving is to be worn out. I said it earlier and I meant it. If you're burned out from serving others, hear me, you're either doing it the wrong way or something is broken in you that needs to either rest or be healed. Please don't miss that. I know this doesn't sound spiritual. This might be the most spiritual thing I'm talking about in this sermon. You've got to know your limits. Because it is not God's will for you to burn out or bore out. Resentment creeps in when you serve out of exhaustion rather than out of an overflow of a full heart. Rather than serving out of a heart of love when, when you're overextended or when you're working outside of your boundaries, you serve out of obligation which eventually turns to burnout, which ev eventually becomes resentment, which eventually leads to I quit. Folks, I've seen this time and time again, and I've even gotten there a couple times in my life. 
You start out with great intentions. It starts with love. But because you don't know your limits, you serve till you're exhausted and you're resentful. I want to tell you a story about a guy in the Bible. And it reminds me of him, Elijah, in the Old Testament. If you don't know this story, you should read about it in 1 Kings. He had to challenge the wicked king Ahab. He had challenged the prophets of Baal. Read the story. It's amazing. He had an amazing victory on Mount Carmel. He had this awesome victory, and guess what happened? A hit was put on, out on him by the wicked queen Jezebel. She wanted him dead. She made it very clear that this was her intention. And so when Elijah heard this, what did he do? He ran for his life. Read the story. He ran and he hid because he was afraid and he was exhausted. His story ought to be a reminder that no matter how much of a hero you may think you are, on your job, in your home, at the church, you're still human. Come on. Elijah had human emotions. He had highs. He had lows. He had great boldness and great fear, all coming from the same man of God. And by the time we get to 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is tired. He's dejected. He feels all alone. He's ready to give up, and this beat-down, burned-out virgin of Elijah makes his way to Horeb, the mountain of God, and it is in this place that God visits him, and I want you to look in the Bible and see what happened. I want to call for the praise team to come on up right now, too. 1 Kings 19 and verse 3. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed, not for strength. Look what he prayed. He prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down, and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some, bread, uh, uh, was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Here he is on a mountain. After a mighty move of God, he was tired. He was exhausted. He felt defeated. Old wicked queen trying to get him killed. And he was afraid. And he told God, he said, God, would you just please let me die? But hear me. He didn't need to die. He needed to rest. Elijah didn't know his own limits. He had been running nonstop, wrestling with issues that were beyond his control. He had lost perspective. He had lost hope. And in the midst of all that, you know what? God didn't tell him, hey, Elijah, you need to tighten up. Hey, Elijah, you, you need to just, come on, man. You're better than that. You need to suck it up. Come on. No, you know what he did? <laughs> the Bible says he sent an angel with hot bread and cold water. And the angel said, hey, 
wake up and eat. And then guess what he did? He woke up, he ate, read the story, and then he took another nap. <laughs> and after resting a while, the angel came back, woke him up again, and he said, eat some more. And then don't miss this part. You still have a journey ahead of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Elijah, you are the bomb.com. What you did on Mount Carmel, wow. We're going to be talking about that for a long, long time. Fire coming down. Prophets of Baal falling. 400 of those suckers. Whew, dead. Sacrifice. All the water in the trench. Fire burned it up. Burned up your sacrifice. All that stuff. That was incredible. But I know you're tired. Take a nap. Get something to eat. You need another nap. Get something to eat. And then he said, because there's still a journey left for you. I want to say to somebody here right now, God's not done with you. He's not finished with you. There's still a journey left ahead of you. And God doesn't want you to die, and he doesn't want you to quit. You know what he wants you to do? He wants you to rest. He wants you to recharge. He wants you to regroup. Elijah, you've done so much, but I'm not finished with you yet. Take your nap. Eat your sandwich. Because God still has a plan for your life. I'm talking to somebody here today. God's not done with you yet. You feel like you're too tired, or maybe you've messed up too many times, or nobody recognizes my gifts. I could, you, you fill in the blank. God is not done with you yet. He wants you to serve with joy for a lifetime. Like the song that they sang earlier, if you're not dead, he's not done. And so you know what? Keep reading the story. Later on in the chapter, it says, God spoke to Elijah then. I want you to put yourselves in his shoes. You just won this tremendous victory. God showed up. He proved he was God. Now you're running for your life. Elijah was so distraught, he didn't want to live anymore. And in that moment, read the story. The Bible says there was wind, there was an earthquake, and there was fire. The Bible also says God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. When Elijah most needed to hear from God, the Scripture says God spoke to him in a whisper. King James Version called it a still, small voice. See, God knew exactly what he needed. God is all-powerful. He can do what he wants. But you know what I found in my own life? when I am the weariest, when I am the tiredest, when I am the most broken. I'm glad he doesn't send fire. I'm glad he doesn't send an earthquake. I'm glad he doesn't send a windstorm. He just whispers. And he says, I still love you. I'm not done with you. You need to rest. I want to tell somebody here today, I want you to stand up with me all over this house. Hear me. You're not broken. You're tired. I'm talking to somebody. You're not depressed because it's over. You're exhausted because 
You need to get reacquainted with your limits. You might already be an everyday hero, but hear me, you're not Wonder Woman, you're not Superman. Don't quit. Eat some bread. Take a nap. Pray. Reconnect to God. Pray through. They might remember that term? Come on, there's are any church folks in the house, amen? Some of us just need a good old-fashioned praying through. We need to reconnect with God. We need to get renewed in the Holy Spirit, amen? Some of you need to talk in your prayer language. You need to walk by faith. Come on, when's the last time the anointing of God fell on you, amen? Can I just tell you from my own life, I can't speak for you. When I feel the tiredest is when I'm not connected right with Him. When I haven't been praying like I should. When I haven't been in my word like I should. You're tired. Don't get a divorce. Get marriage counseling. Don't quit your ministry. Know your limits. And sometimes what is stretching us beyond our limits, hear me, let's not blame God for everything. Sometimes it's the way we're living our lives. You need to look at the whole picture. Because just like Elijah, we can become so caught up in the difficulties of our lives that we lose our perspective and we just want to quit. So today, I've been reaching for new volunteers last week and today, but I really want to encourage those of us that have been serving, some of you for a long, long time. Sometimes God just wants you to be still. Don't try to find His will in the storm. Don't look for His voice in the wind, in the hurricane, in the rain, in the, in the earthquake, in the fire. Listen, find His still, small voice. Because sometimes in the midst of a crisis, we just need to take a moment to pause and let Him minister to us. When you feel your joy slipping, ask God to fill you with renewed joy. When you're using your gifts, ask the Holy Spirit to increase your joy. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now our team leaders have tables set up in the back and when we dismiss, I'd love for you to go back and take a look and consider joining the team. But right now, I want to open up this altar and I want to invite everybody in the house to come. Because hear me, you're either doing, you're either in one of two places. You're either serving and you need to reconnect and remember to serve with joy or you're contemplating serving and you just need to step out and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. If it's in my church, if it's in my community, whatever it is, it is remember, God created you for a purpose. God made you who you are so that you could live your life fulfilling that calling in your life. I'm going to open up this altar and I want you to come. Before we begin to sing, I want you to come to this altar. Come on, church. Come on, church. I'm going to wait. Amen. I'm going to wait for you. That's it. That's it. Come on. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Yes, God. I want to serve you with joy. I want to serve you with joy. I want to find my gift. I want to know what you've called me to do, God. Amen. And as they begin to sing, I want you to just lift your hands and say, God, I want you to speak to me. Speak to me in a whisper. Speak to me in a still, small voice. Renew my joy. Renew my passion.
salvation. Lord, help me find my place, God. Help me find my place in the body. Amen. Amen, amen.